Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa for The Athletic. And if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, then throughout January you can subscribe for a special discounted price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than £4 a month. Just go to theathletic.com slash villapod to sign up today and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Unlike the players, we've had our winter break and Greg Evans is with me as always. Happy New Year, Greg. How are you? Yeah, Happy New Year to you, Dan. It's been a while, hasn't it? I'm, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah. West, after our win at West Brom was the last podcast that we did. And I've got to say so far, 2021 in, in general is feeling very similar to 2020, but we won't get into that. We will be talking transfers later on in the show. As everyone knows, I like to harass Greg when the transfer window is open. But let's start with the Christmas period. So Greg, Villa beat Palace, drew with Chelsea, lost to United. Bit of a mixed bag, but overall, I think very positive. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, if you look at the performances uh, more so than the results, then they were very encouraging. I think four points from three games... You know, isn't isn't the best return and and mirrored mirrored over the course of the season would would only give Villa around fifty points if they if they continued on those trends. But I think there's a bigger picture here, isn't there? It was yeah. it was you know the, the Palace game. Look, they beat Palace with ten men, and and then the the other two games they were very much in it um, against two of the top sides in the division. So the fact that they fully matched up to both of them, Chelsea and Man United. Was uh, was really positive and good signs for me. I mean, let's face it, Villa never beat Man United ever. I mean, I think we've won once at Old Trafford since I've since I've been alive. It feels like I can only remember one win, so we never win there. So we might as well ride that one off to start with. I think com- coming from behind at Chelsea is excellent. Coming from behind and taking something is not Villa not something Villa have done well in recent times. They haven't managed to come from behind and, and get positive results. So I think that's a positive. And and like you say, not only beating Palace, but actually outplaying them for the entirety of the second half with 10 men is, is a really, really good sign. Yeah, the, the Palace game was incredible. You know, one that I really enjoyed. I, I watched the other two from home, um, Chelsea and, and, and Man United, because I had a little bit of time off. So it was quite interesting, really, watching the game from the TV and, and, and seeing what the, the supporters see rather than actually being at the game. Um, but yeah, just to go back to the Palace game, I mean, what, what I took from that was that the side just looks so much fitter than they have done in, in recent years and for a very long time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I know that Dean Smith has set up extra fitness sessions in, in the months gone by to get, you know, his players supercharged for this tough period. And, and that clearly showed, you know, the fact I, I thought they were actually a better team when they went down to 10 men and, and, you know, they extended their lead, didn't they, by two goals and, and um, created plenty of chances. Uh, and, and just it just showed that you know if 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 Villa do go down to ten men in the future, um, and and let's be honest, it's probably going to happen with the amount of you know red cards that we're seeing in the Premier League at the moment um, because of VAR etc. Um, it just shows that they'll be able to to match up to whatever team they face. I think. One of the main positives from the Palace game, I think, Greg, was Courtney Hawes coming in and looking so astute. Obviously, Mings then ended up getting sent off, so he kept his place for Chelsea. A harsh but expected dropping of him for the Man United game, but Villa having players to come in is something that, that we've questioned whether the squad depth was there. I think he really stepped up in the games that he played. Yeah, really impressive. Um, you know, Smith Smith has been very complimentary of, of Hawes ever since he signed. Um you know, even though he hasn't played many games, but if if you look at the the performances and, and the games that he's come in, 
he's done really well. I mean, I just just remember the the uh, the playoff final. You know, he come on for the last ten minutes, didn't he? And and, and made a really yeah. big impact. And uh, you know, when Villa were really up against it against Derby, um, I know that was a couple of years ago now. But yeah, the you know the, the game that he came in against um, thought he did really well. He, he wins a lot of headers, doesn't he? And he, yeah. he's very very dominant in the air. And I think that Villa are just comfortable now. They know that if if one of Esri Conza or uh, Tyro Mings is out injured or suspended. That, you know, then then Hawes can come in and, and fit in nicely. He's one of those players that's never really let us down. He, he's he's in and out of the side, but whenever he has come in, he's always done quite well. What what do you make of? There was a lot of Villa fans on social media who were calling for him to start actually against Man United. You, you don't change a team that's been doing well. I think anyone with a bit of sense would have realised that Mings was was gonna definitely come back in. But what do you make of that? I feel that Hawes has done nothing wrong, and and probably you know in a normal environment does deserve his chance if he comes in and does well but I'm quite passionate about this you know with the whole Ming situation you know I've, I really do feel that Mings is one of um, Villa's most important players I, I don't yeah. like it in general how supporters get on the back of players um, especially, especially when the team are eighth in the league I mean you know if, if ever there was a season where the supporters should be fully behind the players it, you know it's right now isn't it when when the team are performing so well and also I mean you know what is the the real criticism of Mings yeah he had he had an off day against Palace didn't he and Zahar got got at him right from the opening minute but you know I, I quite liked the way he held his hands up after the game and, and you know fronted up and apologised um as I said, I watched the Man United game on TV, so at the benefit of multiple replays, and a lot of people were pulling up Mings for the for the first goal against against Mar, you know Marshall's opener. I thought that Conza was equally to blame. Would you would you not agree, Dan? I, th- I thought exactly the same, and I spoke to Ian Taylor at halftime, and he said exactly the same. It, it's not Mings; that's a, that's joint responsibility for both centre halves. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, and and look, they're both humans, aren't they? And let's not let's also remember. They're not elite footballers at the moment. They're they're Premier League players, good Premier League players, who, by the way, have recorded eight clean sheets in 15 games. Exactly. Which is more than any team in the division. And look, neither of them are Virgil van Dijk, so we're not expecting them to go through games completely unscathed and, 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 and not make a single error. So how about let's just accept who they are? I mean, you know, for me, Mings is still Villa's best defender. There's a lot of talk about Konza, but... I think without Mings alongside him regular, he doesn't produce that exactly. consistent level. That's that's my take on it. No, it's yet to be proven. Hawes might come in at some point and, and prove me wrong, but I just think Mings is a big part of that team and I think that, you know, his voice, his leadership, um and his performances as well, you know, are uh, are, are really important for Villa. I mean, people are talking like Hawes came in and the defence was excellent, which which they were, but Oh, Mings has been involved in in a hell of a lot of clean sheets, and I don't really get the slander at all. I'm on a completely the same page as you. I tweeted before the Man U game when the team was announced that I couldn't believe some of the stuff I was reading from fans against Mings, and I said that for me, he's our second most important player. But I tell you what, I got shot, I got shot down by a lot of people for that Did opinion, and, and yeah, yeah, killed. And then obviously <laughs> people people are judging to have made a mistake for our goal, so it then that that tweet then looks even worse. But I stand by it. Without Tyro Mings, Aston Villa, Aston Villa are nowhere. He's been a very, very important player for Villa over the last few years. We, d- we definitely don't get promoted if we haven't signed Tyro Mings. And I don't think we stay up last season without Tyro Mings either. I just, I find it baffling that there always seems to have to be this scapegoat. I don't know about you. That's the kind of point I was trying to make, Dan. You know, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, 
and, and I'm sure, well, I know for a fact that, that Dean Smith rates him highly like that as well. You know, he wouldn't have him immediately coming back into the team if he didn't if he thought that there were a, you know a few issues with his performances then that would be the ideal time to um to not bring him back in the team again you know having missed a game through suspension Hawes coming in and doing well but I think the fact that he's come straight back into the team shows how important he is to the team as I said I don't quite get what the criticism is okay he makes a few errors here and there okay his passing accuracy isn't 100 percent but, but he tries of, things. But but that's what I mean. You know, think of the alternative. Do you want an old clogger back there who just kicks the ball out or into touch, or no, you know, or or, 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 fly, or fires it up upfield without even thinking about it? Mings actually tries to play football. He builds from the back, and more often than not, it's that style which has helped Villa start off attacks this season and actually made them very attractive. Yeah, I'd say we're an excellent football inside, and without being too over the top, Mings is a, is a big part of that, and I think. This isn't being biased. Now, I would, if we were Dross, I would say it. But I actually think we're the best side to watch in the Premier League at the moment. And I know Mourinho has come out and said similar, said that Villa are his favourite side to watch. When you watch us, if I take my Villa hat off, we're very, very entertaining. Oh, yeah, brilliant. They are one of the best sides to, to watch at the moment. You know, I would put them up right up there as well. I think Tottenham have turned a corner now. I think, you know, the last few performances, the, um, the Leeds game and last night okay, against Brentford, a little bit different championship side. But I've, I've really enjoyed watching Tottenham the last couple of games um, that, that'll be a brilliant game for the neutral coming up next week Tottenham and um, yeah. Tottenham and Villa I, th- I think Mourinho's playing mind games a little bit there I, I think that's a, a huge compliment to Villa because um, clearly Villa are in his mind um, you know the fact that he's, he's talking them up so well I think Mourinho plays the press better than anybody out there doesn't he so uh, I, don't, I don't always look too much into his comments although they did sound very nice <laughs> about Villa Um <laughs> It's just nice that he's yeah, talking about us, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Though that's that's the point I'm trying to make. You know that he, he clearly Villa are in his head, and you know he, he's concerned about how difficult that game is going to be. Um, but yeah, you know it's a it's a valid point, Dan. You know up there in Man City, Liverpool are struggling at the moment, aren't they? So you know I think we are fair to say that, that Villa are more entertaining than than even Liverpool at the moment. Yeah, and perhaps a surprising positive. Over, over December, yeah, pretty much the whole of December and going into January has been the productivity of Villa's wing players, two players that, that weren't in our best 11 maybe a month, six weeks ago in, in Troy Ray and Al Garza. Suddenly, at least one of them scoring every, every week and they're both doing that, that job of getting on the end of things, which is key, especially when Ollie Watkins hasn't been in the best scoring form. Yeah, it's been um, quite frustrating, I think, for Watkins, hasn't it? You know, he's had a couple of decent chances that that he's missed. A um, few goals ruled out, uh, you know, which have been unfortunate because of VAR decisions. Um, I wrote a real detailed piece um, after the West Bromwich Albion game just saying how important Watkins is to the side, you know, the way he uh, presses from the front and, and really sets the tone. So... If he's not scoring, the onus really is on the wingers, isn't it, to to, to chip in and, and obviously Grealish as well and, and maybe McGinn. But Al Ghazi's probably probably surprised me the most. I think with Traore, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I'd, I'd heard good things about his time at Leon and, and obviously at Ajax as well, where he, he used to play as a striker for a while. Um, but it was always one that, we, I was just waiting to see what he what he was about. You know, when when he first came, I thought he's got he's got this unpredictable sort of mysterious um, style about him. I felt I felt like he was going to blow hot and cold in, in games, but he's turned it on in in recent weeks and and chipped in with important goals and assists. But 
Al Ghazi for me is the the real big story. You know, I have to admit, I thought I thought his time at Villa was done. Me too. You know, I remember watching one of the games, one of the home games that, um, yeah, one of the I can't remember what game it was. It was earlier in the season, but um, sitting when I was sitting on the press box, you know, I looked over into the the corner flag, the the, the uh, restaurant above the. Um, the corner flag, obviously, um, and and, and uh, El Ghazi was sitting up there, you know, not even in the match day eighteen, and then I just thought, yeah, probably, probably his time is done, and you know, he might move away in in January, but he's one of the first names on the team sheet now, isn't he? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting when when Ross Barkley comes back to to who moves out out the side. You obviously got Trezeguet, who was a, a mainstay in the eleven to come back as well. And suddenly there is that that bit of competition. I mean, I think Al Ghazi's goal against Crystal Palace, I think, was my favourite goal that we've scored so far this season. We've, we've scored some good goals as well, but it really just had a, the shades of Ronaldo about it, didn't it? Yeah, brilliant goal. And, you know, he he, he trained with Ronaldo as, as a very young boy, you know, when he was at Ajax. I think Ronaldo um, had, a, had a soccer school over there. So... We, we we often compare him to, to Ronaldo when he plays well, doesn't he? But there is a little bit more substance to that because you know he does actually base his game on him and and and, and has trained alongside him and remembers those early days. But yeah, that goal was fantastic. I mean, that will I'm sure be a contender for goal of the season, won't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely in goal of the month. I saw it the other day. What did you make of John McGinn's nickname for him? Anwar El Golzer. <laughs> well, to uh, to coin uh, John McGinn, aye, that's a shocker. Good accent, good accent as well. Could have been, could have been in Braveheart with that with that accent. Greg. No, well I thought done. it was. Uh, I thought it was good. You know, if it, if it was if it was off the cuff, fair play to him. If it was pre-planned, then no, he shouldn't have mentioned it. I say it seemed off the cuff. I think I think McGinn's not the kind of guy to plan to say something. I feel like he's yeah, an off, off the cuff yet. player and an off the cuff player in the in the post match as well. Just obviously we've touched on Barkley there. What's going on? Because I, th- I think we all expected him to be back by now, but he's been nowhere to be seen. Yeah, hamstring injuries, they're, uh, they're a big problem, aren't they, unfortunately? And, and you can have little setbacks, little niggles, and you think you can be back within a certain time frame and, and then um, a setback happens or a few days training don't go quite as planned. And I think what Villa have tried to stay away from now, he's, he's putting time frames on returns. Uh, you know, there, there was the issue with Jack Grealish, wasn't it? When when he was injured, he, he was supposed to be out for a short time, and I think he ended up missing two or three months, didn't he? You know, it was yeah, quite a long time. Quite, quite remarkable, really, how long he, he he stayed off for, considering it was supposed to be a short term injury. And it's certainly starting to feel that way with Barkley. I mean, I know he's been jumping in and out of training sessions, and you know he's been close to to, to featuring in various games, and and then. Smith's just decided not to play him or, you know, there's, there's been um, advice from the medical team not to play him. I think the bigger picture really is that Villa, there was one game where I thought they missed him against Burnley. Um, yeah, and sure. I thought I think they would have put, put Burnley to bed if Barkley had played that game. But um, they haven't really missed him in the other games, have they? Couldn't play against Chelsea. Um, arguably the Man United result would have gone that way anyway. Um, and the other games Villa have won. The fact that we've been playing so well, it's a nice problem to have that actually easing him back in won't be a problem so he'd be a good option for Villa to bring on off the bench because at times it, it does feel like the bench is lacking but he'd be a great option to have on, on there for 20 minutes if games aren't going well or if games are going well yeah definitely and look this month is you know huge for Villa's season it's potentially season it's a potentially season defining month um, you look at the games in the league just to start with Tottenham Everton Man City 
Um, I think Southampton and Burnley then isn't it towards the end of the month mm. that, those you know four really big games against teams that are go- probably going to be in the top six or seven this season so if Villa have got real serious aims and ambitions of progressing into those positions themselves then these are the games they've got to get results Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We've obviously got an FA Cup tie coming up on Friday as well. What? Where do you sit with this? Because I'm imagining that it's going to be wholesale changes and Villa aren't going to make a massive effort to have an FA Cup run this year, but there'll be people that completely disagree with that. Where do you sit? Oh, it's this, it comes up every year, doesn't it, this one? It's just like, you know, how important is the Cup in the, in the grand scheme of things? I think with supporters not in the stadium, I think... The, the cup games in the early rounds will, will they just won't be as interesting as you know they probably would have been but I think for Villa you know the, the way to look at it right now is what are Villa's aims right now right so they're not going down they're eighth in the league with 23 games still to play so it's not outlandish to say that they're competing for Europe now is it either you know the, the no. way that the way the way that they've been performing so I don't know. Look, to get into Europe, I reckon Villa will probably need eleven or twelve wins out of those twenty-three games, right? So that's going to be that's going to be quite tough. But the FA Cup route, they might only need well, they, they will only need six wins to get into Europe. So why not take it seriously? You know, you could look at it two ways. If Villa are going for Europe right now, do they go for winning eleven games out of twenty-three in the league, which will probably get them in, or do they go for winning six in the FA Cup, which will get them in? Let's do both. I think, I think I sit in a place where I think you probably make a few changes. There's probably a few players there that, that will need a rest. I don't imagine Liverpool are going to be full strength. I mean, we saw them in the, in the Carabao Cup last year when they sent a team of kids. I'm imagining Liverpool at the moment are probably going to rest a few players. Villa, Villa need to rest a few players. There's people like McGinn, Grealish. They've pretty much played every game. So there will be players that need to come out. I'd expect Tom Heaton probably to get a running goal in the Cup if we get a Cup run as well. I, I don't know whether that's true, Greg. Yeah, I think. Look, I've, just to flip it, Dan. I mean, what, what, you know, why, what, why do you think they need a rest, though? I mean, do, I mean, do, do you not, do you not think that the FA Cup is an easier route, route to get into Europe? I think the Tom Heaton one. Yeah, look, you know, Tom Heaton is an exceptionally good goalkeeper um, and deserves to have his run in the team. But I think, you know, why not go full strength? Villa have already probably achieved their their aim of staying up this season so why not just give it a real good go because it might actually be easier to get into Europe for the FA Cup yeah I I completely agree with you but 
I just got this feeling that, that we won't that we will we won't go full strength. I'm just going by what mm. ha- what happened in the in the cup last year. But you're right, we were in a relegation battle last season. We obviously had the the league cup run last season as well. There's not really been a league cup run this season, so we have only been playing league football. So as we're doing this podcast, I'm thinking more to yes, let's go to it. But then I've got that fan side in my head sitting there of if Villa are going to go to Wembley and win a cup, I want to be there. And the way things <laughs> yeah, and the way the world it, is yeah. at, the way the world is at the moment in May. I don't say that any of Villa fans are going to are going to be able to be in the ground. So it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because if ever there was a year not to take it seriously, we're doing well in the league and fans aren't going to be there in all probability. So in some ways that makes me think sack it off. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's, it's, it's awful, isn't it? The fact that fans can't be inside stadiums and, and look, there's going to be an FA Cup winner, a League Cup winner, a Premier League winner and that set of supporters will not see their team lift that trophy. You know, we, we know that now. It's going to be very unlikely that fans are back in stadiums yeah, any time this season. So I think it's almost getting on with it, isn't it? And saying, well, you know, if, the fans aren't going to be there anyway. So you've got the choice of winning the FA Cup or not. Let's go for it. Well, that's all well and good for you to say, sat in that press box with your prawn sandwiches, Greg. It's, you, sit, you sit there and, <laughs> and tell the rest of us. It's a really difficult one. FA Cup's like one of the things that a lot of Villa fans won't have seen Villa win. Like for some for one generation of Villa fans, it'll be the only thing that they haven't seen them win. So from that point of view, they probably want to get it ticked off. But I just I can't, I can't imagine being in a cup final and not being there. And like you say, someone's going to win all these competitions. I might be saying Villa win the Premier League and not be there, Greg. Uh, yeah, next question, Dan. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on. Let's move on to the Aston Villa New Year's resolution. So, first off, what should Villa's New Year's resolution be, Greg? <laughs> oh, um, one thing. You got one thing. You know, I'm not really sure they wanted to see the back of 2020. No, good 2020 for Villa. It turned out to be a quite a decent year for them. Uh, I suppose actually, I suppose continuing the performances when fans get back into stadiums. You know, be, uh, let's hope that supporters will be inside stadiums at, at some point in 2021. Um, and you know, maybe the key for Villa is to continue performing and getting the results in the same way as, as they have done when supporters haven't been in the stadium because I think there's a valid argument to suggest that Villa are a better side without the presence of their expecting crowd who often get on their backs don't they you know yeah. we, we, we all know this um, it's, a, it's a tough old crowd to, to deal with at Villa Park so um, you know that, that there might be a, a you know, valid argument to say that supporters not being inside stadiums has actually assisted Villa this year this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's your New Year's resolution? Your ath- athletic or Villa related? What's what's your New Year's resolution? Uh, do you know what Dan? I don't, you should know me well enough now. I don't do New Year's resolutions. I, I actually <laughs> to the back end of last year, I, I started doing um, setting monthly targets, which I'll continue oh, to do. Similar. 
Yeah, I know, I know. I, th- I just think a New Year's resolution. I just always find setting an actual target for the year is just so hard to, um, you know, maintain and so hard to achieve. So I typically set monthly targets anyway. Um, break often break them down into weekly targets. Um, I have a fitness target this month. I'll, I'll do a five k run five times a week, um, nice. which I'm quite enjoying. Uh, I have a work target as well, which I kind of, um, what I try and do is just go out of my way to try and specifically help somebody in in, in, in the pieces that I'm writing. Um, so, you know, every month, if I can tick off that I've helped somebody in, in something that I've written, um, I find that quite rewarding. Uh, if, if I can swear for a minute, then I, I spoke to former Birmingham City striker Stern John in the, in, oh, in the last couple that. of... I didn't, I didn't go near that article. <laughs> but you didn't read that one, did you? First one, first one of yours I've not read, Greg. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, you know, he was looking for... Basically, he's the manager of Anguilla, um, who are the lowest ranked uh, team in, in the world apart from San Marino so you know they're, they're basically a, a really struggling Caribbean side and he's just taken over as the manager of um, uh, as the manager and, and he needed some help finding players based in England with Anguian heritage so um, you know I, I did that story this week and, and those are the type of stories often that if I can if I can tick two boxes if I can help somebody and then if I can also um please my editor by, you know, producing something that that he thinks the readers will be interested in. Um, that, you know, that's what satisfies and satisfies me and feels quite rewarding. No, we don't want to hear any more about Stern John, who will never be forgiven for his <laughs> equalising goal in about the eighth yeah. minute of stoppage time against Villa in, in the 2-2 draw at Villa Park, I think in 2004, if my memory yeah. serves me correctly. Yeah, dark we memories of Stern that. John. Is it in the piece? Is it in the piece? No, he actually got pulled from the piece, actually. Good, was, rightly uh, so. There was think too so. much information in there, I think, so. Uh, any Villa fans who read it, I presume, would be pleased that it wasn't mentioned. I, I can't imagine any Villa fans read that, to be, to be honest, Greg. But let, let, let's talk about pieces from you that the Villa fans would like to read. And you've had a, had a piece come out in the last couple of days with, with Keane and Davis. Just tell us more about that. My thoughts on, on Davis are, are that he probably needs to go out on loan, you know, probably this year. Or um, he certainly needs a run of games and, and, and definitely goals to just give him that morale boost that he probably needs you know he's 23 next month no other striker really in the Premier League of that age has not had a a spell of scoring regular goals somewhere and I feel like Davis needs that Um, so yeah it was just explaining what the scenario is really and whether he'll be allowed to go out on loan so um, without going into too much detail it's it's all in the piece really just explaining why and uh, and if ever Villa will, will let him go out and learn this month? Yeah, I feel like he's a player. Me and you talk about quite a lot, like on the on the phone and stuff. Like he's mm. a player that, that comes up because I think we both like him, but his lack of goals concerns us both as well. It's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I like him. I've got a bit of a soft spot for him because I followed his progress right from the from the first day that he come to Villa, and um, I speak to his old coach Dave Northfield, who you know helped him get his move to Villa and, and, and coached him at Biggles Way. So I stay in touch with him every now and then. So I feel like I've got a little bit of a soft spot for him. You know, I want him to do really well. I want him to succeed at Villa, but it just feels like. He's just had a few too many set, setbacks with the injuries, and, um, and and you know, look, okay, it's great for him that he signed his new deal last last summer, um, and he got a bit of security. But for Villa, if Villa are gonna um, if Villa are gonna use him regularly after this season, you know, he's gonna have to show them that he's that he's worth it. 
someone else who similar predicament really had had a lot of injuries, a lot of setbacks, but no longer at the club. Andre Green still still clubless, I, I believe at the moment. You've, you've got something coming up with him, haven't you? Yeah, again, um, that'll be out on Thursday morning. Uh, just a story explaining why he hasn't been playing football for the for the last four or five months. Um, obviously, released from Villa in the summer. Um, he's got a couple of options to consider. Luton and Brentford are both very keen on him. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a case, I think, for him of of being patient, really, and, and wanting to make the right move. He's he's had a lot of loan spells. You know, he went to Portsmouth, Charlton, Preston. Um, I think he had one more as well. Um, and you know leaving Villa was was quite a, a sad and sobering moment for him almost because he, he'd been there for 15 years so you know it, it was it's very important for for and, and look you know he's only 22 years old so it's very important that he moves his next move is the right move which is why I just think he's been taking his time with it so yeah the full details of that again will be in in the Athletic on Thursday. Yeah, I've been wondering what was going on with him, actually, so that'll be an interesting read on, on Thursday morning when I, when I come to read that. It's everyone's favourite segment now, the tra- the transfer section, Greg. I mean, I actually only think Villa will get one player in as, as a maximum. I don't see Villa doing much business at all and zero players in would surprise me, but what have you heard? I wouldn't be surprised if the end of the month comes and, and Villa haven't signed anybody. From what I'm told, they are assessing a couple of attacking options and and possibly a striker um, but again you know don't sort of expect a striker to come in or, or an attacker it's just if that if the right opportunity comes up and, and Villa feel they can get good value for money they might go for it but Dean Smith's very happy with his squad actually and, and you know, I think the owners are, um, are quite pleased with, with the results how the players that have come in have developed um, but you know they're very engaged, they're enthusiastic, and and if there are injuries elsewhere or or Villa move on a couple of the fringe players, and they feel like you know they might need just maybe another number to to um, top up the squad, they w- they will react. Um, but I think you know it's it's long term planning for Villa now. They're looking at the summer, what they're going to do with you know potentially a couple of fullbacks moving, Neil Taylor and Al Mahamadi are, are out of contract, aren't they, in the summer? So th- there's no contract talks ongoing at the moment so it's unlikely that that they'll be kept on um you know and it might be a time to to move Gilbert on as well so yeah I, I think they'll be much more busier in the summer than than they will be this month yeah it's one of them ones as well now where Villa are in a good place people talk about bringing three or four players in in January no chance I just don't, absolutely I, no I just chance. don't get why people think that's a, that's a good idea because we're in a position now where you've got to build the squad slowly. You don't want to disrupt the squad. And I saw it's like people talk about Christian Eriksen yesterday. Like, without sounding completely stupid, we get Christian Eriksen. Where on earth does he play? I know mm. that sounds stupid, but you know what I mean? They've got Barkley on loan who probably needs to play every week when he's fit. They've got Jack Grealish playing on the left. You're not going to have Eriksen on the, on the right wing, are you? So... I don't get what, what people think about it sometimes. You, you've got to build a squad slowly. You've got to be patient. We did good business in the summer. I imagine we'll be doing good business and be in a good position to do good business in the summer coming up this year as well. That's why you they need a striker. Obviously, is the only, only place I see us buying anywhere. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, just going back to the summer, the, the, the business was fantastic. It wasn't just good. It was absolutely yeah, brilliant. Revelation. You know, to, 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 get, to get four signings, um, you know, for all four of them to work, he, he, he's so unusual. You just, you know, and then, and then obviously you got the, the the loan signing of Ross Barkley as well, who um, in the games that he's played has looked really good. But admittedly, hasn't worked 
yet for him because he's been injured. But if if Villa can get a half a season out of him, it, you know, and keep him fit, it will work. I think we all know that, don't we? Because he's he's a very he's a quality player. But even with the striker issue, Daniel, you look at Wesley, Trezeguet, Barkley, who we've just mentioned. All three of those are out at the moment, and and all three of those will will come back into the squad and and the match day twenty or whatever it is now, um, and feature so. There's a strong group there. The players have shown already this season that they can kick, um, that they can get performances, and the key for them now is just to kick on. and And I, th- I think Smith is quite satisfied and, and and believes that they can. Just before we go, I didn't bring you up at the time when we talked about the Christmas games, but me and you have had massive disagreements on on penalties before. What did you make of that Pogba penalty in the Man U game? Yeah, very soft. Look, I mean, you, I think you can see that, that Louise does touch him, but I think it's just very, you know, very, very soft. It, it, it's annoying, isn't it? You know, these, so many penalties seem to be given across the Premier League now and they just seem so soft to me. And um, it was just another one, a frustrating one. And the, the, the sign, I think the real sign, when you know it's a bad, either a bad decision or a really soft decision is when the players come out and speak about it after either yeah. um, either on Twitter, social media, or um, you know, or publicly. And I think a few of the the players shared a couple of um, videos of of the penalty, didn't they? Which you know shows yeah. that, that they were very frustrated as well. Yeah, really, really bad decision, in my opinion. I was just wondering what your new best friend Stern John thought of it. Did he have any opinions on the penalty? <laughs> well, I actually interviewed him before that came. Uh, so okay. No, okay. he didn't have any thoughts on it. But uh, it's very funny, actually. Do you know the Merry Maid Bar and Grill in Mosley? Nope. Okay, no. well, I found out something new anyway, basically. he There's a picture of Stern John that hangs on that wall and um, it's actually owned by a Villa fan and a Blues fan. So we had a little, oh, we nice. had a funny conversation of who he preferred to have a drink without the two brothers. Well, this has been 1874 Stern John <laughs> special on the, on the Athletic. So we'll be back next week where hopefully we won't talk as much about Stern John. But as ever, Greg, thanks ever so much for, for joining me. It's been great to talk to you after a few weeks off. And yeah, maybe we'll be talking about Villa's Cup run next week. Who knows? Yeah, you're welcome, Dan. Good to be back.